Wasabi wallet. Unfairly private. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. We got another news roundup. We got lots of stuff to talk about today. Jack Dorsey putting together a Bitcoin development fund, or not development fund, uh, legal fund uh, to help protect developers, rather. Uh, we've got Cash App adding Lightning Network. We've got Strike and its Lightning-powered app coming to Argentina. Plenty of stuff to talk about today. So we're going to cover it all. As always, this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, please do hit like, subscribe, share, all those things. They really do help quite a bit. So please do them. Uh, get more eyeballs on the show. Uh, as always, I am Ben with the VTC Sessions. And this is your daily session. All right, let's take a look at where we are sitting in the market right now on the Bitbo.io dashboard. We're sitting at $42,544 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 2,350 sats. 90.14% uh, of all Bitcoin have been mined. Uh, in terms of fees, next block around seven sats per byte. But if you're willing to wait just a little bit, one sat per byte will do you. I did want to draw attention to the hash rate. Seems a little high here on BitBo. It says 215x hash on the 24 hours, uh, but it has been bumping up steadily against all-time highs as of late. So uh, more miners coming on to secure the network. And that's a positive thing, my friends. Uh, very happy to see that. Uh, before we dive into the news, shout out to sponsors of the show, shakepay.com. If you're in Canada, you're buying Bitcoin. This is one of the simplest and best ways to do it. No deposit fees, no withdrawal fees, thin spread. When you get there using the link down below, after your first $100 purchase, they'll give you 30 whole dollars for free to stack extra sats with. Uh, also, you get the same exact deal when you share your link with a friend and they sign up and do the same. You both get 30 bucks and then you can shake your phone every single day for free sats. So pretty solid. I've been shaking. I'm on a 104 or 106 day streak. I can't quite remember, but the sats go up every single day. They also have their visa card, which allows you to earn sats back on your everyday purchases. So check them out. Links are down below. Ledin.io allows you to use your Bitcoin for a variety of different services. For me, this is most important uh, with their Bitcoin back loans. The reason is if you're in a pinch like I have been in various times where there's a cash flow issue and I need to get my hands on dollars, I can deposit Bitcoin here, get dollars, a loan of dollars to my bank account within 24 hours. And when I pay back those dollars, I get back the same amount of Bitcoin. And that's the important number for me. They do have savings accounts for Bitcoin and USDC. And they also have their B2X offering. If you're feeling mega bullish, just exercise caution as always, folks. Now, I do live on Bitcoin. BitRefill helps a ton with this because I can use Bitcoin to purchase any gift card, that my little heart desires. They've got a ton of them. It's available in a ton of different countries and I can pay on chain or via the Lightning Network, which is super convenient. You also earn sats back as you shop. 
And on top of that, they do have a referral program where you can earn extra sats towards your purchases. So check them out. Links are in the show notes. You guys know Keystone. I've been featuring them a ton in tutorials all over the place. One of my favorite and most used hardware wallets because it is 100% air gap, meaning you don't plug it into anything internet connected. It's all done offline via QR code. And this keeps the keys to your money safe and away from the internet connections of your phone, your computer, whatever it may be. I highly recommend you upgrade to the Bitcoin-only firmware because then you can do things like multi-sig. Uh, and this thing is badass in a multi-sig. It's been featured in a ton of my tutorials for that. Um, yeah, all around solid, solid device. And if you want to check it out, there is a link down below. And finally, if you're backing up any important Bitcoin wallet, get it in steel, my friends, because paper does not cut it. Water damage, fire damage. I've heard horror stories, even instances of people discarding it because it's just a slip of paper lying around. I mean, be cautious, obviously, but uh, a solid hunk of steel gets rid of a lot of those concerns. And this is how I back up my important Bitcoin wallets. So check them out. Uh, with that, let's dive into the news we were talking about. Jack Dorsey creating a fund to address Bitcoin developers' legal headaches. So this is the New York Times talking about it. I'll, I'll read a little bit from them and then we'll just read the actual uh, letter that he sent out to the Bitcoin mailing list. So Jack Dorsey has announced the creation of a nonprofit group, the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund, to help developers of the original cryptocurrency facing legal headaches. In an email sent to developers mailing list on Wednesday, Mr. Dorsey, a Bitcoin evangelist, wrote that, quote, litigation and continued threats are having their intended effect. Individual defendants have uh, have chosen to capitulate in the absence of legal support. So the actual here's the actual letter that went uh, to the Bitcoin mailing list. And it says to Bitcoin developers, the Bitcoin community is currently the subject of multi-front litigation. Litigation and continued threats are having their intended effect. Individual defendants have chosen to capitulate in the absence of legal support. Open source developers who are often independent are especially susceptible to legal pressure. In response, we propose a coordinated and formalized response to help defend developers. The Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund is a nonprofit entity that aims to minimize legal headaches that discourage software developers from actively developing Bitcoin and related projects such as the Lightning Network, Bitcoin privacy protocols, and the like. The main purpose of this fund is to to defend developers from lawsuits regarding their activities in the Bitcoin ecosystem, including finding reta and retaining defense counsel, developing litigation strategy, and paying legal bills. This is a free and voluntary option for developers to take advantage of if they so wish. The fund will start with a corpse of volunteer and part-time lawyers. Uh, the board of the fund will be responsible for determining, determining which lawsuits and defendants will, it will help and defend. The fund's first activities will be to take over coordination of existing defense of the TULIP trading lawsuit against certain developers alleging breach of fiduciary duty and provide their source of funding for outside counsel. At this time, the fund is not seeking to raise additional money for its operations, but will do so at the direction of the board if needed for further legal action or to pay for staff. If you have questions, concerns, da, 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 and there's some contact information. So basically, this came to being, uh, <laughs> it would seem, because of Craig Wright, the fraud. Uh, he has sued Bitcoin developers, um, basically trying to get developers to 
quote unquote unlock Bitcoin that he owns, which is the most ridiculous premise ever. He basically wants them to create a, a fork of Bitcoin that unlocks, quote, his coins back to his control because apparently he doesn't have the keys to them. Um, but let's just talk about what would happen if developers did this. They would create a version of Bitcoin in which those coins were reallocated to Craig and nobody would use that version of the software. It would be an abandoned fork. It would just be Craig and his lackeys only using that. It would be Bitcoin SV with even less users and even less utility. That's what would happen. Uh, but nonetheless, Craig has gone around trying to sue developers and developers don't have a lot of the time they're volunteering. They don't have the time or the money to get lawyers and defend themselves. And so they just throw in the towel. They're like, I, I can't do anything about this. I don't have the money to deal with this. I guess I'll just stop working on Bitcoin or I'll do something else. Or, you know, they say that and then they do it incognito in a different way. But nonetheless, it's a huge fucking pain in the ass. And, you know, hats off to Jack Dorsey for helping put this together because, you know, it's needed, I think. Unfortunately, it's needed. Uh, speaking of Jack Dorsey, Cash App integrates Bitcoin Lightning Network for faster Bitcoin transfers. Uh, the popular mobile payment service Cash App has integrated the Bitcoin, blah, the Bitcoin Lightning Network as a part of an update allowing faster and cheaper Bitcoin transfers using the Layer 2 payments protocol. Cash App is developed and owned by Block, formerly Square, a fintech firm co-founded by former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. The announcement of the Bitcoin L2 integration was shared as a notification on the official Cash App application, which made its way onto, and they say crypto Twitter here, but it's Bitcoin Twitter. Uh, so anyways, yeah, uh, the actual notification, it just says, we just added Lightning Network. Use the fastest uh, use the fastest free way to pay anyone in Bitcoin. Just scan or send to a Lightning address. Uh, so that's awesome to see. Super happy to see uh, another way of purchasing Bitcoin that uh, allows for withdrawals in uh, via the Lightning Network. Now, if you did not, uh, if you do not use Cash App, if you if you're not in the states, you can't use Strike or Cash App or anything like that. Um, don't fret. There are ways to withdraw your Bitcoin directly to Lightning Network. I will be dropping a short two minute video on exactly how to do that with no extra steps. Uh, just you withdraw to a regular Bitcoin address and it's instantly accessible via the Lightning Network after a single confirmation. So uh, keep an eye out for that tomorrow that will drop. Uh, let's keep going. And speaking of Strike and Lightning, Jack Mallers announced that Strike is now available in Argentina. And he had a bit of a tweet thread. I'm going to go through it because there's a lot of little gems of information in this tweet thread. He said, welcome Argentina. Today, we launch a superior financial experience to a country that faces hyperinflation, predatory payment networks, and unusable cross-border transfers. Today, we use the world's open monetary network, Bitcoin, to give hope to the people of Argentina. 
Argentina is plagued with a history of economic turmoil and uncertainty. Inflation will reach 55% this year. GDP will contract by 12% this year. There have been eight currency crises since the central bank was founded. Half the population is already living in poverty. In 1991, amidst hyperinflation, Argentina launched the Argentine peso that pegged to the dollar. However, they never converted to dollarization, government spending soared, and peso devaluation began in 2001. This resulted in dollars as the primary unit of account in the country. As such, Argentinians have historically fled to the dollar. An estimated 10 or more percent of the physical stock of dollars in the world is within the Argentine financial system. That's insane. This There is soaring demand for harder, more stable money and a monetary policy the people of Argentina can rely on. As Argentinians lose confidence and flee their peso for dollars, the country's reserves shrink. This has forced the government to devalue their currency, place restrictions on how much foreign currency citizens can hold, and shut down dollar-denominated payment networks. However, this hasn't stopped the Argentine people. Dollars are now double the official rate in the parallel market and other payment mediums have been born to facilitate transactions between different currencies, peers, businesses, and countries. There is now unprecedented demand for open monetary systems that live within distributed networks. Um, something that has a known monetary policy, a fixed supply, and is and is restraint to censorship or resistance <laughs> resistant to censorship sorry guys argentina needs the best monetary asset and the best monetary network in human history bitcoin with strike the argentinian people can now hold a stable cash balance that can be spent both instantly and with no fees cheap instant cash final global payments of any size to anyone anywhere even over twitter no inflation, no restrictions, financial freedom. There, this is a superior financial experience that legacy financial institutions and governments have failed to deliver to the people of Argentina. Bitcoin is a superior monetary system that builds towards financial inclusion and helps reinstill basic human freedoms. Damn, dude knows how to write a tweet thread. He also knows how to nail an interview. He's been uh, hitting up the interview circuit again uh, about the whole Argentina thing. And I got to say, he's smashing it out of the park. So kudos to Jack. Now, uh, they are doing this in the same fashion that they rolled out in, uh, in El Salvador. And so the way that that worked was, uh, you know, you can interoperate easily, receive payments um, from anybody with a Bitcoin wallet or uh, uh, Bitcoin or Lightning wallet or both, uh, and you can send to anyone with a Bitcoin or Lightning wallet. But then while in the Strike app, it sits in dollars, and those dollars are used via Tether as they were initially in El Salvador. And that is kind of a stopgap measure in the meantime as they figure out local banking and all that kind of stuff, which is what happened in El Salvador. Initially, it was Tether, and then they got rid of Tether, and they just started using banking infrastructure, and Bitcoin was the payment rail. So people could decide to have dollars uh, in an El Salvador or a Salvadoran bank account um, allocated via their strike, or they could um, move it out to another app and use Bitcoin. 
so it's it's kind of up to them how they use it. So we'll see kind of how that progresses in Argentina. This is a different situation in that the government isn't saying, hey, let's adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Um, so there may be some more hurdles in and around that, but it's really, really cool that the Argentine people can now utilize this as a way of sending money to and from, doing cross-border payments, sitting in dollars if they want to, sitting in Bitcoin if they want to. I think all around this is a very positive thing. So again, kudos, Jack Mallers and Strike. Uh, let's keep going here. And speaking of kind of international news and looking at the way that uh, Bitcoin is kind of growing on a, a, a global stage, at least getting attention on a global stage. Um, Fidelity had was dropping some bombs, I got to say. So this over at Markets Insider and is based on a, a, a piece that Fidelity put out. But the headline here is Bitcoin adoption for countries is a high stakes game and more governments will buy the cryptocurrency this year to stay competitive, Fidelity says. So more countries and even central banks could follow El Salvador's lead and adopt Bitcoin as a form of legal tender and add it to its balance sheet, Fidelity said in a note last week. The investment firm believes a high stakes game theory is playing out that would leave early adopters of the cryptocurrency better off than their peers. Quote, if Bitcoin adoption increases, the countries that secure some Bitcoin today will be better off competitively than their peers. Therefore, even if other countries do not believe in the investment thesis or adoption of Bitcoin, they will be forced to acquire some as a form of insurance. This, again, all fidelity is saying this. Are we living in a simulation? Holy Jesus. Um, they go on to say... Uh, they're, they're talking about in China, they took the opposite approach by implementing various bans on the mining and trading of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. That's a big mistake, according to Fidelity. It isn't surprising that we think an outright ban will be difficult to achieve at best and if successful will lead to a significant loss of wealth and opportunity, the note said, alluding to, again, the China mining ban that's got to be one of the largest blunders from a, a large nation state, let alone one of the largest nation states on earth. Uh, and, and I think it will be looked back at that as one of the hugest mistakes of the past hundred years. You know, look, if you jump forward 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I think that's going to be something that people point back to and say, damn, that hurt them. Um, so they said one milestone that has the potential to validate Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is recent regulations targeting the sector that were included in November's U.S. infrastructure bill. The rules, rules impacting crypto don't go into effect until 2024, and there is potential for various amendments targeting the legislation between now and then. Quote, but we think uh, but what we th think is most notable is that digital asset regulation becoming law is another milestone as an asset class becomes uh, comes of age and establishes itself. We wouldn't, we therefore wouldn't be surprised to see other sovereign nations uh, acquire Bitcoin in 2022 and perhaps even see a central bank make an acquisition. Those are some big, uh, those are some big expectations from Fidelity. Uh, pretty wild. Again, pretty wild to see. 
<laughs> I'm just trying, I'm thinking back to uh, imagining myself reading something like this or going back to myself in 2014 or 2015 and being like, yo, this is an article from 2000, the January of 2022. I probably wouldn't be able to believe my ears, but here we are. Uh, let's keep going here. So uh, the Bitcoin Magazine's YouTube was banned and then reinstated. Uh, this is, I mean, it happened a little while ago to Anthony Pompliano. There were, there's been worries of it in the past. Um, I've had my schism with YouTube in the past where I've been, um, had videos flagged. I've been temporarily completely had my channel just deleted with no warning whatsoever. Um, and then reinstated. Thank God. Uh, Tone Vase had the same thing happen. Um, there's been a number of people that have been really screwed. Keep it simple. Bitcoin is still not on the platform. Um, which is a shame because he, he was an absolute asset. Uh, he still has his website where you can find all of his tutorials, which I highly recommend you do. But um, yeah, so what happened here? Uh, Bitcoin Magazine's YouTube channel was restored around three hours after being shut down with the publication attributing the short ban to the YouTube algorithm flagging the word. Now I don't even want to say it because, <laughs> because I don't want the same thing to happen to me. It's a country... Uh, and it starts with a K and they recently had some protests and uh, they they removed uh, caps on on energy prices. And the, uh, that sparked huge protests and outrage and, and all kinds of stuff. And a huge portion of the Bitcoin hash rate went offline when that happened because they shut off the Internet. OK, fair enough. If you're looking at the screen, you can see the name of the country right here. Anyways, uh, in a January 12th post, Bitcoin Magazine noted that its YouTube account with 56,000 56, some odd followers was banned in the middle of a live stream with no prior warning from the platform. Their, their tweet said, our YouTube with 60,000 followers just got banned mid live stream with no warning deleted. When will the aggression against Bitcoin content end? The live stream was focused on topics relating to Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, Bitcoin mining, and the recent internet blackout in the magical country. I won't name because YouTube, uh, which was reportedly initiated by the government in response to mass protests over surging fuel prices in the nation. Bitcoin magazine stated it wasn't entirely sure what grounds YouTube had used to ban the channel, but it did confirm that his account has been restored an hour after it had been uh, submitted an appeal suggesting that YouTube had realized its error in a live broadcast after the reinstatement host, Alex McShane noted that the panel was discussing the internet blackouts effect on the Bitcoin mining hash rate without saying anything controversial, but was using a set of algorithmically and politically charged words, which may have triggered the automated shutdown. The quote I want to talk about what happened without triggering it again. We were talking about a certain politically charged country that starts with a K. Isn't it insane that this is how people have to operate their channels now? It's a shame. The thing is, though, there's such a, uh, a different scale of audience. Like the network effects are a bitch, right? Because if you go somewhere else, like I, I think I'm going to start uploading to Bitcoin.tv for sure. But like if you go somewhere else, you, you basically capture no new eyeballs, right? Th this is where people watch their videos, unfortunately, right now. And there's there's no 
sizable alternative where you can actually continue to grow viewership as of yet. Um, hopefully that will change over time. And I'm always kind of watching that, but you know, what do you do? I do live stream this to Twitter as well, which I don't, I don't know that that's much better, but it's something. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I guess we shall see over time. Uh, but I, I did notice something funny and I tweeted about it afterwards. I said, thank God YouTube deleted Bitcoin magazine to protect their users. Now, when I search Bitcoin Magazine, I get totally legitimate live streams where I can double my money instantly, much better than the dangerous content about saving and low time preference, etc. they were peddling before. And these are actual screenshots when I search Bitcoin Magazine. These were the types of streams that were going like basically fake live streams with with, you know, dated clips of Vitalik and Michael Saylor Um basically doing giveaway scams, getting people to send money. Like there's so many of them if you search and, and these aren't getting struck down, but then, you know, Bitcoin magazine gets their <laughs> channel completely deleted. You know, it is what it is. A little bit of hypocrisy. Uh, let's move on. Um, Tonga. They might be the next. They might be the next in line to uh, adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, not just not just do some little dinky thing with Bitcoin, have it in the background, but actual legal tender. Uh, so another domino is lined up to fall um, down the route to, I will say, hyper Bitcoinization. We'll see. Uh, on Wednesday, a formal lawmaker of the Pacific Island nation of Tonga shared a play-by-play approach to adopting Bitcoin as legal tender in a series of tweets. Lord Fasitua, a former member of parliament in Tonga, released an ETA for Bitcoin becoming legal tender. Copying El Salvador's playbook, the move could onboard more than 100,000 Tongans onto the Bitcoin network. Here's his five-point plan. Number one, September, October of this year coming, uh, the bill goes to parliament and then hopefully gets passed. Number two, it gets sent to the palace office for submission to his majesty for royal assent. Number three, about a month after uh, it, the HM, I'm not sure what that stands for, as advised by Privy Council, assents to the bill. Number four, two to three weeks later, gaz- uh, gazetted by government activation date set. And number five on activation date, or I guess 4B, on activation date, Bitcoin becomes legal tender. And then he said in a follow-up comment, the bill is modeled on and is almost identical to the El Salvador bill. The announcement sowed seeds of questions, predictions, and outright jubilation from Bitcoin Twitter before, thank you, Cointelegraph, Bitcoin Twitter, thank you. Before Tongan uh, set the record straight, he enthusiastically replied that the timeline for Bitcoin becoming legal tender could happen as early as November or December this year, replying, boom, that's us, brother. In 2021, it was widely speculated that Tonga would become one of the next countries to adopt it as legal tender. Speculation reached a fever peak uh, following a podcast with Lord Fusichwa on uh, what Bitcoin did. Yeah. And so uh, he did outline uh, during that conversation uh, some of the 
benefits of Bitcoin adoption there. Disposable income would increase by 30% with that extra 30%. Some people are going to be saving it rather than putting it into the economy and stacking stats. And some stats on it, um, the remittance use case was one of the primary drivers for El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. According to the World Bank, Tonga's remittance as a percentage of gross domestic product is substantially higher than El Salvador at 39% versus 24% respectively. 39% of their GDP is remittances. Literally switching over to Bitcoin and getting rid of like that, uh, all, all of the people, the middlemen in between scraping away their cut would be a huge boost to their GDP. That's massive. So again, my best to them. Hopefully this begins to take shape. But again, we'll see. Uh, again, that's we're looking at September, October before anything really starts, before those cogs start moving. So uh, we're a ways out. But nonetheless, let's, let's hope that this plays out. Could be an interesting end to the year later on. <sighs> Inflation numbers came out this week. Uh, higher than the previous months of 6.8%. U.S. inflation rises another 40-year high, 7% year over year. Uh, no signs of slowing down. Consumer price index rose by 0.5% in December alone. Uh, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported enough to push the annual inflation rate to 7% for the first time since 1982. The figure was in line with what economists were expecting, but up from the previous 40-year high of 6.8 in November. Wild. On top, <laughs> So they also talk about how the Fed is going to be doing uh, rate hikes this year, four of them. Now, I want to... I'm going to mute my mic. For, well, actually, I'll, I'm going to play this. Uh, this is what... This is what Greg Foss had to say about the idea of the Fed uh, introducing rate hikes this year and four of them. This was a little clip from him. Hopefully you can hear it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it up just in case. Fed is using Goldman Sachs to leak out the plan into the market. So three hikes this year, a couple more in the, in the following year. foot off the brake. So what happens when you're the petrol dollar? So sorry guys, audio dropped out a little bit there. I apologize. Basically what Foss was saying was that they're not even going to put through. They won't even get one through, one rate hike before they have to reverse course. What he was saying is that it's mathematically impossible to increase rates meaningfully uh, before they have to uh, deal with the ramifications of that. Um, we'll see if that plays out. If you want to check out that clip again, you can go back. I do, uh, 
yeah, it had sound for a couple seconds. Sorry, guys. I'm uh, learning how to <laughs> how to play these clips in a in a second uh, in in a second there. But anyways, uh, just head over to the channel and just search uh, bullish bit tapering and rate hikes, and you'll find it. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. This was from the Christmas special, by the way. Uh, but nonetheless, Foss he doesn't buy it for rate hikes. I don't think so. Um, but also on top of those inflation numbers, wholesale prices, this is known as the, uh, producer price index. This is what, uh, this is what basically anybody who's producing products, any, any industrial, um, you know, companies, people that actually need to get the raw materials, uh, their year over year inflation, nearly 10% the highest on record since they started that stat pretty wild. Um, and that trickles down, right? Because inflate like the, the producers are the people that create the goods that we then consume. So they're getting these, these hikes and prices for everything that they are producing. They then have to, the things that they produce are created and then given to the market and priced accordingly based on what it costs to produce them. So we see those numbers going up for producers. That means, you know, if, if it rose again, we're going to see a larger, uh, we're going to see more high prices based on what we're seeing from the producer price index. Uh, let's keep going here. Um, I started doing this. I'm going to do this every week. Uh, I tweeted out, what was your favorite new piece of Bitcoin content this week? The most recommended will be featured on today's show. So um, I'm, I'm doing this every week now. I'm asking you guys what some of your favorite new pieces of Bitcoin related content were for the week. And I had two that were uh, very much recommended. I'm working my way through them and listening to them myself. Uh, but if you're curious what the, what the plebs are saying, what they're recommending, one was... Uh, Austin Hill, one of the original cypherpunks, uh, he was on What Bitcoin Did. And it was a two-parter, uh, about an hour each or an hour and a half, the first one, an hour for the second one. Uh, but talking about Bitcoin, the financial singularity. Uh, I'm partway through the first episode and he's talking about some of the origins of the cypherpunk some of the original stuff he talks about kind of what he was doing with blockstream before he uh moved on from there uh very very interesting uh cool guy maybe one day i can get him on why were we bullish i did send him a dm so we'll see uh that would be pretty cool uh and then the second one was laser hodl on on once bitten with daniel prince uh i love laser He's awesome. Uh, the title of the episode is We Are Living Through World War III and Their Weapon is Mass Collusion and Confusion. Uh, and he talks about a lot of the, the changes taking place, the idea of like social credit scores, um, the, just the precedent set by more tracking, um, more ability to cut off people financially from the system, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I... I enjoy laser. I enjoy listening to him talk. And I mean, him on Daniel Prince, it's going to be a good listen. So I'm looking forward to that one, listening to that over the weekend. Uh, so yeah, check those out. Those come highly recommended by the plebs in my Twitter feed and, uh, and look out because every Thursday I'll probably drop a tweet in the morning and ask you what your favorite piece of content was this week. 
And if there's something awesome, let me know, tweet it at me, and I will uh, I will try and shout it out. Uh, some of the stuff that I've been dropping this week, I did drop my top six Bitcoin hardware wallets of 2022. Um, similar to my top five last year, but I added an entry. Uh, and so I kind of, it's not just like a list. It's I detail kind of the, the positives and the trade-offs with different ones, okay? Um, I will note that I didn't mention necessarily the open sourcing, but, um, you, and that was a, a miss on my behalf, but Ledger does indeed, uh, there's a big trade-off there. So keep that in mind. Uh, but I do kind of go through, I talk about usability uh, in terms of noobs versus uh seasoned Bitcoiners and cypherpunks that want the most of their Bitcoin wallet. Um, I talk about air gapping. I talk about whether you can use it with mobile or you have to use a computer or Android only or iPhone as well, all kinds of stuff. So feel free, take a look. There's a lot of good options out there, but more or less like the six here, if you get one of them, you're probably good to go. Uh, you're probably fine. I I don't think I would consider anything outside of this list, to be honest. Um, some people mentioned, they asked about uh, Blockstream Jade. I have high hopes for that one in the future, but it's it's still kind of buggy. Um, it, wa it wasn't the best experience for me. Plus, it's only compatible with Blockstream Green. I like that it can handle liquid, but... Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't it didn't do it for me, but I think it could be great. And and to be fair, the price point is very low. And I feel like Blockstream is stretched a little bit a little bit thin right now. They've got so many people working on so many different things. I think if they have a little bit more focus, then they'll be able to like give the attention that these things need, but um they either need to hire more people or they need to cut down what they're doing to make sure that everything's quality because it, yeah, the Jade, I was hopeful, but it, it fell a little bit short for me um, after having played around with it. And I did a workshop on it with tone base when I was in Dubai and you know, it was, it was clunky and you could see it and it was, you know, it was, it was, there were things that could have been better again, high hopes for it. This is nothing that like software updates can't fix. It's not the hardware itself. It's definitely just like software updates. But um, yeah, if you're going to buy it to tinker with it, it's it's cheap. It's fine. Uh, but I wouldn't use it as like my main wallet as of yet. Uh, a couple other things that I've been dropping this week. I did drop a two minute tutorial on how to open a Bitcoin lightning channel. And I used Umbral and Thunderhub as my examples. And I also dropped a two minute tutorial on how to connect a wallet to your Bitcoin node. And I used again, Umbral and Sparrow wallet as my example. The thing I was alluding to tomorrow is uh, I I'm dropping. Um, sorry, actually I'm, that's next week. Damn. I've got a lot of these in, in the, uh, in the pipeline. Anyways, the one tomorrow I'm dropping is how to get inbound liquidity. So a lot, one of the tricky things about lightning network is uh, you set up your node and you do all this stuff and you're like, how do I receive payments? Um, and a lot of the time, it, it's hard. I have a lot of people that ask me, they're like, yo, I open a channel to you. Can you open a channel to me? And I'm like, I only have so much Bitcoin that I can put on a node, you know, within my own comfort level, but also like monetarily, financially, I can't afford to put all of my Bitcoin on a lightning node. 
and so it's tough for me to reciprocate in a lot of these instances. Um, but you can use things like voltage, things like bit refill, things like um, lightning network dot plus. Uh, so there's a few options that I go through and I show kind of how, you know, what they do. And then there's links to full tutorials on all of those things in it. So that'll drop tomorrow. Keep an eye out for that. And the other thing that's dropping, to, damn, I'm busy. Uh, another thing that's dropping tomorrow is we're doing, why are we bullish? All right. Uh, and Dan, I see you're, you're asking about my node. You're right. There needs to be more tutorials for my node. I did do one. That was my first node video I ever did was my node. It's been updated a lot since then, and perhaps it is time to re-explore that. I think it is. I did buy, like I paid for the one-click updates. It is time, Dan, you are the one who made me decide to do it right now. This is <laughs> the decision-making time. I am going to do a new uh, node tutorial for my node and... Uh, and there we go. And yes, guys, tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Why are we bullish? Again, almost all new guests. Uh, we got, um, I'm not sure how to say his Twitter handle, Duxo? Duxco. Duxco. Uh, we got Thomas Jestifer. We got Morgan Richard. And we got Rick from Crypto Cloaks all coming on. It's going to be a party, 6 p.m. tomorrow. Make sure you don't miss it. I love I love my Fridays. They're so fun. Uh, anyways, guys, I'm going to wrap up there. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. If you're listening on the pod after the fact, or maybe you're streaming sats to it, which would be awesome. Uh, regardless, thank you guys very much. Like, sub, share. All those things are super important. I know I say it at the beginning and at the end, but damn. Does it ever help? Uh, if you want to help in another way, you can hit up the sponsors down below. ShakePay, Leaden, BitRefill, Keystone, Bill Foddle, they're all down there. And if you really liked what you saw or heard, you can hit me up with a Bitcoin tip either on Twitter, I do have that enabled, or at my strike page, that is strike.me slash BTC sessions. You head there, you type in any amount you want, hit the tip button. You will be greeted with a lightning invoice, or if you tap to the right, a regular Bitcoin QR code. With that, I am out. I hope you guys have a good evening or day, wherever you may be. See you guys next time for your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin.